0: and flipping the pommel flap over its middle to protect it from the cold. A wrapping of oily rags kept the firing mechanisms from freezing solid, a necessity that also promised some delay if he ever needed to bring the firearm into action quickly. Buckle grunted. He had three blackbang pistols holstered inside his parka. Their wooden butts poked his kidneys as the horse bounced and he trusted his own pistols and saber more than a clunky musket in a scrape, in any case. The horse lunged up the steep path, delivering a whack to Buckle's spine that made him miss the smooth glide of his airship. The pneumatic zeppelin was moored in the dockyard of the Devil's Punchbowl stronghold, fifty miles to the southeast, undergoing repairs to the extensive damages she had suffered rescuing his father, Admiral Balthazar Crankshaft, from the city of the founders over 3 weeks before once freed from the clutches of the founders balthazar had been busy he and the crankshaft council dispatched messengers to every corner of the land each carrying an invitation to a secret parley with the purpose of forming an alliance against the founders many clans had responded imperials alchemists tinskins brine boilers and gallow glasses promising to send their ambassadors. Suspicions ran deep in the blood between the clans, but if the rumors were true, if the Founders and their Grand Armada were gearing up for a mass invasion, then to stand alone meant annihilation, and they all knew it. In the meantime, Balthazar had begrudgingly given Buckle leave to take the Arabella up to Tehachapi in search of a shipwreck. On the night of the Tehachapi Blitz, more than a year before, Buckle had seen one of the attacking Imperial airships suffer a fatal hit. A crankshaft cannonball had struck home, causing a multi-chambered hydrogen explosion that had lit up the sky, and the burning sky vessel, ripped wide open, her engineering gondola obliterated, had yawed wildly to starboard and drifted northeast into the mountains. Buckle wondered if any of the men aboard the crashed enemy airship had survived. The survivors, if any, would be long gone by now, over a year later. But it was not flesh and blood, nor even bones, that concerned Buckle. He'd be damned happy if each and every one of the attackers had burned alive, but rather the artifacts of the airship itself. The body of the fallen machine would most certainly provide evidence of its owner, the murderer of the crankshaft clanspeople. Buckle had seen the Imperial Iron Crosses on the Sky Vessel's flanks as she burned, but the Imperial Chancellor, Katzenjammer Smelt, had sworn upon his life that his clan had not attacked the crankshafts. Buckle did not trust Smelt, but he had to know for sure, and if the airship was not Imperial, to whom did it belong? Buckle's first instinct was to suspect the Founders. It could only benefit them and their treacheries if they could sow the seeds of conflict between the clans they planned to invade and conquer. Someone was stoking the engines of war, Balthazar had said. If the airship proved to be a Founder's craft, then Buckle knew where to begin his search for his sister, Elizabeth, if she was alive. She had disappeared during the Tehachapi Blitz, leaving not a trace and everyone assumed that she had been incinerated in the bomb blast that had obliterated much of Balthazar's house. But the word, whispered by the zookeeper Osprey Fowler and confirmed by Balthazar himself, was that Elizabeth was alive, and if alive, she had been taken by someone. And Buckle would burn heaven and earth to rescue her. With a jerk of his gallows tree head, Kronos reached the crest of the trail. He turned into a crevice in the wall, a gap barely as wide as man and horse, which quickly opened to an interior ravine where the sky crushed down upon a plunging, high-walled valley. Buckle pulled his parka hood back, the ice-rhymed fur lining swamping his neck. The cold air donkey kicked his ears, despite his pith helmet and its fur-havelock flap. But it was very still, and it was bearable. Buckle yanked his goggles up over the front of the helmet and squinted. The weak sunlight reflecting off the snow packed an uncomfortable level of glare, but it was a small price to pay to be able to see properly. The sky was gray as old iron, rippled with clouds.